Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. That gentleman over there is the unequaled Kyle Kaczynski of Endless Events. And that gentleman over there is the infamous Brant Kruger. <laughs> right. Unequaled and infamous. There's, it's, that's, that's not a bad set of adjectives right there. All right. Well... This is going to be kind of a fun one. So, so Will is Will is on assignment. We don't know where he's he's gallivanting. He's around the world somewhere. But we've got Kyle, so everything's great. Um, <laughs> so we started we started batting around topics and what you know what should we be talking about today? And Kyle, you you threw out an interesting idea of talking about something that we've kind of touched on from time to time in here uh, on the podcast, but it's probably worth exploring a little bit more. Um, and that is reevaluating your event tech stack. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So the reason why the event tech stack is coming to mind is because we're in the thick of things right now. We are planning event after event and we're seeing what is the areas that are taking the most time across these different events. And when you think about it as a tech stack traditionally, it's something that you hear with you know software companies. You have this front end tech stack and back end tech stack to to make your application run. Well, you have these same components as you're planning an event. You have registration. You have some platform or some way that you're taking hotel reservations or collecting your speaker abstracts, or how, how are you doing your exhibitor portal and showing what spaces on the trade show floor are still open uh, and available for purchase. So the, the question is, do I, do I have the right tools in place that are making my job as a planner the, the most simple it could be, the most streamlined kit that can be? Um, and is it uh, the best for my budget too? Am I paying for too many different tools uh, when something could be doing more than one solution? You know, and it's something we see all the time uh, in, in, in a lot of industries, but ours as well, where... You know, there's a certain number of tools that you're provided with by work, basically, right? You've got yeah. Microsoft Word, you've got Excel, you know, you kind of, you know, that's pretty much a given in most organizations at this point. Or maybe you're a Google Doc uh, house, and so you're running everything through Google Docs. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I've, I've definitely seen this, where you see people kind of twisting themselves into a pretzel to, to you take advantage of those free tools, or, you know, essentially free tools yeah. that are being provided to you, rather than really taking a step back and saying, okay, is this the right tool for the job? Is this the one that's going to save me time, save me? Yeah, it's saving you money, I guess. But if you're spending all of your time trying to, you know, do, uh, you know, a multi-thousand person event registration uh, on Excel spreadsheets, um, it might not necessarily be the best use of your time. Yeah, one thing that has definitely changed the game is the real-time cloud solutions for file storage. I am so glad the days of just sending different versions of an Excel of your agenda is gone and we can actually communicate with our clients using comments. That's made the job a lot more seamless and knowing exactly what questions they have and when they had them and if it was resolved has been helpful. Um, but um, one of the biggest challenges I think planners get stuck into is how are they communicating uh, about their event? Because a lot of times you're limited and maybe you're only emailing uh, and 
you know, do you have the right tool to be sending out those emails? Uh, do you have any other f form of communication? Like when we were talking with 42 chat, you should be able to just to be able to text out to your attendees and say, hey, we have this new event that's coming up. Um, and 42 chat was a solution that was it, it could bring in multiple components of your of your tech stack. So you know, this is something that we struggled with in in audiovisual all the time as well. That that you know, we'd you know, you, you start working on an event, and then the next year you add a couple things, and the next year you add a couple things, and the next thing you add a couple things, and then next thing you realize, you know, you've got thirty seven laptops. There's you know two different sub switchers, you know, for the video signals. You know, it's maybe this is streaming out that way, and this is going in this, and this is what the iMeg's doing. And you look at this batch of equipment that you've got. And you're like, if I was designing this from scratch at this point, I would never choose this amount of equipment. But you just kind of kept adding it and adding it. And so what we would do from time to time at the production company I used to, and I'm sure you guys do the same thing, is just take that step back and say, okay, if I was doing this from scratch, how would, how would I do that? So how do we know you know, so so I'm planner. I'm you know I'm been doing things in Excel for forever, and you know how do I know? Am I using using this in a way that's the most efficient? How do I take that step back and start to figure out? Is this the best use of my time? Is this the best tech stack for me? And design it from scratch. Uh, you're going to find these things out when you are in the thick of things. When you are <laughs> planning the event. When you are one week out from event day, and you're figuring out wait a minute, the schedule has changed this much and I have to enter all these in again manually and then there's nothing that's just automatically synced to the, the changes you're making on your website to your event platform. Uh, is, yeah, it's, it's usually in, the, in those last minute changes is when you'll identify, um, wow, maybe there's some better way that I could have collected speaker information or maybe there was a better way I could have communicated which sessions um, no longer need translation uh, to our production company. It is unfortunately true. I think you're right. It's, it's, it's always when you're in the thick of it, when you start to realize maybe this wasn't the best way to go about doing this. So in that case, um, maybe the ticket is to start uh, trying to keep track of that stuff. So I know it's hard to do when you are in the thick of it. I know one of the things that I've been adopting uh, that I picked up uh, from – uh, uh, from other folks uh, out there. I think it might have been Alex Lindsay Office Hours where I, I get a lot of great ideas from them. Um, uh, was uh, the idea of a, a CBI doc. So it's like the can be improved doc. Mm. And that's just something that you keep as an open Google doc. Uh, literally keep it open <laughs> as one of your tabs. And so every time one of those things pops into your mind of like, why are we, you know, I updated it here. Why did it not update here, here, and here, you know, so this, you know, we had a five minute schedule change, but it didn't get changed on the back end of the platform. How do we start to streamline those kinds of things? So anytime one of those things comes up, throw it in the CBI, which by the way, the CBI is also like the coffee sucked, you know, I mean, anything that, you know, could be, could be improved goes in that doc, but trying to at least get it out of your mind and onto, you know, theoretical magical cloud paper um, so that you can go back to it again later. Especially a week out before the event, these are not going to be the things that you're going to remember and going to debrief about in your post-event debrief. It's, but it's definitely helpful for anyone who's involved with on your team to be able to look back and be like, okay, this is a different way we can approach the problem next year. Um, and then when you kind of recognize that problem, I also think you should ask your peers in the in the event planning community, how are you addressing this problem? Because 
so much has been coming out and companies are just planning events differently now. And I think it's really beneficial to hear how others are, are tackling these, these challenges too. And you'll start to hear what tools are in their, their company's event tech stack. Well, maybe we should start kind of just going down some of the things that can be, because I, I don't think, I, I don't know that people necessarily have wrapped their heads around what is the tech stack, because it's quite literally, it's all the technology that goes into a planning and event. And I think you put together a pretty good list in preparation for the, for the, for the show here today, and you start to realize how much technology just impacts every single stage in the event planning and these things that we take for granted of just like, oh, yeah, that's that's what we used to use that. That's what we used to do that. So maybe I'm just looking at a couple of things on the list here. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that, that used to come up a lot more often um, is, you know, how do we exchange files? How do we get files back and forth from each other? So things like just file storage. Um, what have you been seeing out there as far as what people are using to exchange files other than like the obvious of Google Drive or something along mm -hmm. those lines? Well, you'll see when working with different event technologies, uh, the GDPR requirements that they have specifically for sharing files, making sure there's always a secure way that it's stored and not just a publicly shared file, or that especially if there's uh, any information about attendees, that it's not just going out in an, uh, a reply all email. Um, so usually you'll, we'll never see files just directly passing around via email. We'll always discuss changes in our calls. And then we essentially use a project management tool uh, such as Basecamp, uh, others such as Monday.com or Asana to really uh, compile where different information about data is being changed. And then that way the client is always touching the data themselves. And as the uh, organizer, you're just essentially helping them move it to the right places. So the more that uh, you're, the less you're actually having to move spreadsheets about your exhibitors or the agenda, and it's all essentially in one central hub system, uh, that's gonna be the most secure for your event information. In a, and it occurred to me while, while you were talking about that, that a key part of a lot of what those systems do is versioning so that when somebody goes in and changes a document, you know who it was and when, when it happened. And I've, I've even got an, in the back of my head where, where an instance relatively recently where a scope document was sent out with, you know, here's all the things that we're going to do and we're going to provide. And then somebody went in and changed it later. And I was able to go back and look at the original version and say, no, 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 no. This is what we, we said we were going to provide. And uh, so keeping track of those types of changes can be, um, can be important sometimes. One of the unique approaches that we've been doing over the the recent virtual and hybrid events is instead of waiting for the final agenda to be ready from the client to put it into the platform and app we put in version one and we are modifying as we go because it's helpful for them or anyone on the planning team to see how it's actually going to be appearing for the attendee see what are the other opportunities that i can use from my app or my event platform uh, and bring those out within the agenda. And that way, if you're just editing that information where it's going to be in its final place, you know that uh, if you are uh, 
some platforms, they have embeddable tools. So rather than having to update your agenda on your website, update your speaker or sponsor list on your website, if you're just updating it from the beginning in your event platform and embedding that app, you are essentially saving double the amount of time, double the amount of logos that you just had to upload, double the amount of speaker profiles. Um, so whoever is planning and coordinating your speakers in your schedule will definitely find this tool beneficial. Well, and I've always, I've always maintained that, that planners frequently know more than they think they do. Um, uh, or maybe that's not the, maybe that's not the best way to put it, but although that's true as well. Um, the, <laughs> that, you know, it, it often came up again in the context of AV of like, you know, you generally have an idea of how your show is going to run from very early on. It's like there's going to be a keynote and then, you know, there'll be some Q&A and then there's a panel. And then, you know, if especially annual events have a tendency to to yeah. be a bit a bit formulaic. Um, and so go ahead and yeah, go ahead and get that in. Start start inputting that right away. You know, take what you do know, understanding completely that things are going to change, that things are going to shift. You know, you might not know who is going to speak in this slot or that kind of thing, but you usually have the big brush strokes. And so whether it's your mobile app or you're thinking about file sharing or anything, you know, run of show, all of these things you can start actually creating early on when you have more time, because as yeah. we all know, as you start to get closer and closer to the event, um, you have less and less time as you go. And so really taking advantage of when things are a little bit less hectic to start to do to start to lay some of that stuff out. Um, uh, what, what, what would be kind of another another uh, part of the tech uh, stack that maybe folks might not be thinking about all the time? Well, so I've seen recently uh, there's an event or there's a, a map based platform that's called Expo FP, where essentially you can lay out your floor plan and sell those spaces directly from the floor plan that your that your attendees are going to be seeing in a couple months within their event app. Um, so you could be selling those spaces. You could, they could exactly see where they're going to be getting it on the floor plan booth. And then you're essentially managing your vendor relations through Expo FP. You can collect the funds directly through the platform. Uh, you can communicate with the exhibitors through that platform rather than having to say, uh, okay, um, you know, we will let you know the booth options, you know, maybe a month before the show. So get ready. They're going to know exactly what their options are and be able to discuss internally like, hey, they have this event is offering a new space on the trade show floor. Maybe we should move spaces this year. Uh, and you're giving your actual exhibitors some more options uh, by using a tool like that. So while you can't use a tool like Expo FP to co connect or collect registrations for your entire event or host all your live streams, it's a tool that is simplifying one of the components of the planning process, which is your exhibitor management and exhibitor relations. It definitely uh, sounds like uh, I've heard anecdotally from multiple people and sources that, especially on the trade show and expo side, they would really like it if, if, if people could start to coalesce around one platform uh, compared to the others. That so, And I'm talking about exhibitors specifically who go to five, six, 10, 20 shows a year, you know, or more. Um, they're struggling a lot with having different usernames and passwords for, you know, remembering which one that program is using as far as an exhibitor mm -hmm. portal and those kinds of things. So just, I guess, 
kind of a cautionary tale of, you know, try and work maybe with your exhibitors to find out what they like, you know, which, which platforms were you re- really liking using um, when it came to how to choose that, you know, how to choose that space on the trade show floor. Was that cool to be able to do that three months in advance or do you not mind doing it later? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I think that would go a long way toward helping them out so that they're not having to remember quite so many different platforms on the exhibitor side. One thing I think we need to ask our listeners for the uh, poll about is, uh, is your event having your attendees funnel back to a CRM? Are you knowing event after event are you having repeat clients uh, or repeat attendees coming to those events? Because I think it would be sad, honestly, to see that if you were just only looking at your analytics, uh, you know, singular. I would love to be able to see how is this attendee playing a part of my event story? Are they coming to a webinar after webinar? Um, and if you are, what we're seeing is clients today is are not only, they're doing kind of two syncs back to their CRMs, like HubSpot or Salesforce. So not only after they've registered for the event, they are going to push their attendees back into HubSpot and, and say, this is a confirmed registrant. So now that they're going to be getting specific emails for the confirmed registrants and no longer getting emails specific about, have you signed up yet? Um, so that's been helpful, as well as post-event connecting your analytics from the platform back to HubSpot saying, this is the do- the documents that the- that this attendee downloaded, giving your sales team now a tool to be like, this is the sessions they watch, this is the document that they they mo- were most interested about, giving you already a head start on your conversation if you're the one who is following up with that lead from the event. I think that's a great point that, that a CRM and just to, just so we're not in jargon jail, just in case you don't know what a CRM, customer relationship management, it's usually a database that's keeping track of how you interact with your customers from a sales standpoint. Like when was the last time they saw an email? What marketing things have they clicked on? All of that kind of stuff. Um, is very useful in the event world because that's exactly the kind of stuff that we want to keep track of for for our attendees. So even if it's not a, a sales situation where you're selling, you know, those types of things can be very useful for associations. They can be very useful for um, you know all types of events to be able to keep track of the likes, the dislikes, who's coming back, who's been there for ten years, who's a new you know who's a new uh, a new attendee for the first time. Who was a new attendee and then is like not, you know, they're not pulling the trigger right away next time, you know, when it comes to get that that ticket, going to them and saying, hey, what's, you know, what what did you like? What didn't you like? All of that kind of stuff is a great way. So using one of those CRMs to be able to keep track of all of that stuff, to really get to know your attendees, get to know the, your, your stakeholders. That's one of the brand drinking games. Know your stakeholders. Uh, very intimately through through data, through being able to keep track of those things, is enormously valuable, and not just from a sales opportunity. And you know, you mentioned HubSpot, and there's, there's a lot of other ones as well. Um, they don't have to be expensive. There's a lot of like relatively you know small time free stuff. I actually use a uh, a plugin for Gmail called Streak. Mm. Um, which which just basically puts basic CRM functionality into Gmail, and so you're able to tag, you know, hey, this is a lead. This is you know, this is where this is at in the sales process. Keep track of who where those people are. Oh yeah, I remember. I need to remember to follow up with that person. So if you are using Gmail for like your association's you know email communications, Streak does um, mail merge. 
you know, be able to send things out via, you know, and it's, it's got a very generous free plan. And then I wound up going on, to, I, I, I used it so often that I like felt obligated to go on to their paid plan, even though I wasn't going to use those features, um, because I wanted to support them in the work that they were doing. And while we're going down this rabbit hole of CRMs, the one thing that to me is so fascinating is, and I love about our industry is it's so relationship based. So if you had an employee from your team and, and they left to go work for a different company, you might have lost all those relationships. Whereas a CRM, you didn't lose anything. You, you still have all the information that you had about that client uh, or that attendee from your event. Um, but one component that I think is really fascinating about hybrid events planning specifically now is your communication system on event day. I would love to know what planners are using for this because we're using some of the more, you know, just generic out there tools to communicate with our vendors uh, on event day. Slack audio rooms, just being able to turn on, turn off. If you have something to communicate, you're still direct. You can direct message and get those alerts out and it's mobile friendly. Uh, as well as we've also even seen some clients being using Discord, uh, jumping into those audio or video rooms to communicate, uh, being able to have headset. What have you, what kind of things have you been seeing on site Brent? yeah i mean it's, it's the same you know you're hearing more popularity with slack um it's it's a relatively inexpensive way to start dipping your toes into the like 365 engagement world you know so we've mm. you know we've talked about that in the past as well of like how do we start engaging with our attendees 365 and so chat rooms and slack channels and things like that are a very uh you know effective way to start dipping your toe in that world um uh, you know, a lot of times the event platforms themselves can be used as that 365 mm -hmm. engagement platform, depending on the platform that you're using, um, you know, and depending on whether or not it, you're using it in both in-person or online events or for both. But um, starting to think about, yeah, where where can we have those communications? And the answer might still just be social media. You know, if that's where your folks are and that's where they want to be. Um, I am starting to see, though, like you said, a little bit more interest in the private communications like hey let's keep this inside the group so let's do a slack channel or discord or something along those lines as opposed to out in public on instagram and and twitter and social media so for if you're if you're joining a company and you're seeing you know learning how they are planning their events year after year how would you say they can recommend you know, working with their organization to expand their event stack. If they're if they've been stuck into using something for year after year, um, what are the, the sort of things or, or tips that you can give them to um, flex in the horizon? It's hard, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what you know what we started out by saying is 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 this idea of you usually don't realize it until you're in it um, that 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 what you've got isn't working or maybe isn't working as efficiently as possible, and so. It, again, is one of those things where it's really useful to to have conversations with other people that, you know, other planners, other people in the community, go to industry conferences and have these conversations about what you're using, you know, so what, you know, oh, what are you using for email communications? What are you using to keep track of preferences? What are you using for room diagramming software? What are you using? All of these different steps in the process. We have a tendency, understandably so, over the course of the last couple of years, the conversation has been a lot about online event platforms. But we have all kinds of other things in the tech stack along the way, you know, like, like 
you know, we started with the file storage. We mentioned registration. You mentioned hotel reservations. You know, how are you keeping track of speaker presentations? How are you keeping track? You know, what are you using for a mobile app on site? Um, how are people navigating the space? So like the event maps, audience response systems, engagement, lead retrieval, all of these things are, are part of the tech stack, all part of how you're doing an event. And so honestly, I think one being aware that you're not, you know, you're not always doing your best thinking, <laughs> you know, when, when these problems come up. Two, tracking it, like we said, by, by throwing it into a Google Doc when you do notice things. And then three, having those conversations with your peers about what's working for you. Oh, that's cool. I want to do that too. I think the one big question you have to ask yourself now that you might be planning you know, hybrid events in multiple locations or you're now having an ongoing 365 community, does my event team have the bandwidth to manage all of this? Or what are the pieces that I feel comfortable handing handing off and just essentially overseeing in the overall planning timeline? Um, I would say th the one tip that I would have is if you're noticing something didn't work from your previous event is to not change everything for the next event. Focus on maybe one area of your event tech stack that you can focus so you essentially have some sort of control so that if, as you're moving from event to event, you can see how that changed, how that affected. If you just changed everything, you know, your exhibitors may be unhappy if this is a completely new experience for them. Um, so definitely making sure you have opportunities throughout your event to collect that uh, feedback from all from all users. It's a great point. Yeah, don't don't try and do too much too fast all at once, because then you'll never know what individual thing is making the most impact. And so, it, yeah, it's important. There's a lot of temptation sometimes, especially if you have the feeling that you're doing a lot of things wrong, um, <laughs> to, to try and fix all of them at once. Um, so trying to at least, uh, at least maybe find some separation. So if we fix one thing on this part of the event, you know, let's fix something on another part of the event so that we can try and keep track of all of that stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. And where, and where we kind of like direct our clients to is at the end of the day, you're trying to drive and empower your analytics. So the more that your event tech stack is connected from registration to session viewers to having your exp uh, exhibitors all within the same platform, you're going to have those leads, uh, the export back to your CRM, all an easy transition. But if it's not possible to, to do that, that's something that we face all the time on the implementation team is finding what are the ways that we can make integrations possible, like like a map tool. It's totally okay for your map to be a separate tool and bringing it into your mobile app. It's totally okay for your communication system with your team to be not within your event platform. Um, and, and things like that, your, your audience response system. Sometimes there's different ways of asking questions that your mobile app uh, or event platform can ask. So bringing those type of tools in, um, that's where you get creative as an event planner. You know, you, you, you it kicked something in the back of my head. You brought up the idea of staffing. Um, and, you know, I was asked the other day by, by a planner, you know, especially in the online world, there's often a temptation of like, you know, reducing staff, reducing staff, reducing staff. And, and she, she, she asked that the unanswerable question of, well, how much staff do you need? It's like, well, like, I, I can't answer that for you. Um, but it does, it does bring up the point of, 
you know, if you have unlimited staff, you're frequently able to put up with more, again, that kind of twisting yourself into a pretzel to try and be able to use the tools that you have that might be free, um, like Excel and Word and, and all that kind of stuff to try and get things done. The more and more it's just you as a planner or something along those lines, that's when that money becomes really well spent, if you can, to try and find mm -hmm. the way, okay, here's the, you know, here's the things that I need to be doing in order to make sure that this is a, event is a success. But here, you know, so those are the you know, three little top things. And then here's the 90% of the time that I'm spending doing ridiculous things, um, you, know, you know, copying things from one spreadsheet to another or, you know, those types of things that are time consuming um, in order to, quote unquote, save money. Uh, you know, what could you be doing differently with those top 20%, uh, you know, to be able to make your event more and more successful if you were freed up? from the from the 80% of the, the, the other stuff. Um, that Those are the types of another way of kind of helping evaluate whether or not technology could be useful in this. And so for me early on, when I went out on my own, one of the things that I realized very early on is that I hated dealing with invoicing. And so mm -hmm. it became very, very clear that I need to use like a QuickBooks or a FreshBooks or something along those lines to be able to help me keep track of, you know, just what invoices do I have out there and to remind me, oh, you got to follow up with them because that was not a good use of my time. You know, mm -hmm. getting out and working for my clients is a good use of my time. Sitting around figuring out who owes me money is not. So, well, other than the big picture of getting paid. Um, but, you know, so having those conversations with yourself and your staff of like, what are the things that you're spending the most time on versus what are the things that is the most important about your job? And they often don't line up. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's one thing that we're, we're helping an event right now where um, I can see the, the person on the planning team who's traditionally responsible for the speaker profiles, the session descriptions. This year, by just making a component of their event tech stack more simple for collecting this information, she's able to spend her time so much more wisely on finding new ways to bring in new ideas for new session, session topics or session formats uh, to expand upon, um, you know, Last year and during this part of the planning process, they were more just you know in in the weeds and, and not able to expand upon what they were able to do. So it's great to be able to see from one year to the next uh, during the planning phase what they're able to focus their time on. Were you were you were you are you doing the same thing you were doing last year, or are you ahead on where you were last year? So, are there any other aspects of the tech stack that you think might be? less likely to be analyzed, less likely to be noticed that um, you think planners need to, uh, you know, take a step back and think, okay, is that the, is that the best uh, that I could be doing? Or maybe there's a tool out there that might help me do better. Mm. Um, I would have to say related to speaker abstracts, um, too often you're collecting these in session information you know, almost a la carte. Oh, what's your what's your session's topics about? Um, or do you want any documents listed on your your session? Are you going to have any poll questions? It's almost every week pulling teeth, getting new and new information. Whereas if the speaker could just manage all of that information in their one one portal, they you would know all the information's correct. You know, you don't have to worry about um, did the speak is the, is there a typo in the session description? Well. 
that's what the speakers submitted themselves. Uh, so that that definitely helps the process. I'd say that's an underrated one. Like that's another one of those things that can be surprisingly time consuming is just those emails back and forth between every single one of your breakout presenters and every uh-huh. single one of your, you know, keynote speakers and, you know, all of that back and forth about dates and times and session info and is this your right bio and do you have your headshot and keeping track of, okay, I, I do have those guys' headshots, but I don't have her headshot yet, you know, trying to keep all of that into your head uh-huh. is ridiculous. Worse, maybe worse, I don't know, or slightly better, an Excel spreadsheet. So, yeah, there's a lot of good speaker management portals out there um, that I would imagine are not terribly expensive because it's such a kind of a niche thing. Um, But I'm sure there's a break-even point of how many presenters do you have, how many breakout sessions do you have Mm -hmm. before that really becomes useful. But it's worth at least having the conversation. So if you're that person who's doing all of that by hand via email, it wouldn't hurt to do a little Googling and maybe find a little pricing to at least know what ballpark you'd have to be to be able to justify that. Find out what that cost is, and then again, compare that to the time you're spending doing it, and maybe you can find one more breakout sponsor that would probably you know, be enough to cover that annual fee for that kind of service. Yeah, no, very true. You know, the other one that, um, oh, I had one that popped into my head and it just jumped out. That's been happening to me all day today, where like I think of something and then it's just gone by the time I start to say by the time I even start to say it. Um, so you're going to have to say something uh, while I try and remember what it was. It was another sure. it was another one that often gets forgotten. Oh, well, I got it. I got it. Go. Okay, sorry. I was quick. Thanks. Lightning. Yeah. Whoo. All right. Judging. So anytime you've got awards judging, awards judging, um, there's uh, there's some great great platforms out there. Um, I want to make sure I get it right before yeah, I send it. it. But 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 there's you know I've I've had the opportunity and it's great. I love judging industry awards. So being able to judge industry awards, it exposes me to events that maybe I wouldn't see or hear anything about, or maybe they're in Europe and I'm in North America, so I just wouldn't bump into them. And so I love judging industry awards. So whenever I get the opportunity, I'm like, yes, I'm in. Um, and so. Uh, being able to do that in a way that's very effective, uh, same kind of thing of like, how do I make this, uh, you know, not going to waste a lot of time for all my judges, make it easy to keep track of all that information. Okay, who's nominated in what category? Who's judging that category for me? And how do we, you know, how do we weight those uh, things? So uh, while you respond to that, I will look up the, the name of the company that I'm thinking of. All right, everybody. So if you're planning an award show, not only Brandt is going to make it a more simple process, but he's also going to be one of your uh, reviewing the awards. All right. So the name of the company is Evalato, E-V-A-L-A-T-O.com. And they are the company behind the Event X Awards. Mm. And so they, um, uh, in addition to doing their own award ceremony, um, are, uh, are, have their own product that is used for judging the awards. And I can mm-hmm. say, as someone who's judged those awards for many years now, it's a, it's very simple to use. Nice web portal. You're able to see who, you know, I'm not able to see other judges' categories. I'm only able to see the categories that I've been assigned and the, you know, the, the finalists that I've been assigned. So pretty slick. And so if that's another one of those categories that you're spending hours and hours trying to do by email and sort out who's judging what, it's a great opportunity to uh, maybe shave a lot of time off of that. Mm. Well, I have a call to action to our listeners. We want to know how many different event technologies are a part of your event tech stack. Is it one? Is it five? 
10 plus that'll be it's very interesting and fascinating to help each other learn how can we make our times and our budget more efficient very good well i think that's probably a good place to wrap it up take you know so so take a moment think about what's what are all the different technologies you know if it's just word and excel that's okay too but you know maybe take a moment to think about uh where where you might be able to shave some time off of your uh, work and what tools might be able to help you do that yes let us know uh event tech podcast on all the socials send us an email event tech podcast at hello endless.com uh as as will and i say every week we read every email uh including all of the spammy ones um <laughs> about uh you know about this that and the other thing you know the good news is that there's lots of people who want to contribute to, to to your blog over on Endless. So we get to see a lot of those um, suggested contributions that have nothing to do with events or technology or any of those things. But we do read every email. And if you're one of those technologies that is helping planners save time and money, tell us. Let us know. We'll bring a client of yours on and we want to hear exactly about how you are helping events be better. Indeed, yes, and uh, we're yeah we're often often doing product spotlights, and we're often having folks to come on the show and show off your wares. But most importantly, we always ask that you bring one of your customers along so that we can get their insights as to why they chose your technology and uh, how it's going. <laughs> so so awesome, Kyle. Thanks as much as always for being the part of Event Tech Podcast. It's always good to have you on. It's great to be here. And great, great topic for today. Always looking for ways to save people time and potentially money, or at the very least, have those conversations about how we can save time and money. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. All right. So thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Event Tech Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.